0: This is Little Sparkle, welcome everyone We all are teachers, we know it's hard To educate our kids and make them face real problems To put together our strength and give them all our knowledge My fellow friends, let's talk about it We are here to talk and make it better. Kids and mental health all matter. Little Sparkle, the podcast for educators. Hello, and welcome back to Leave a Little Sparkle. I'm your host, Julie Walker, and today I'm alone. And it feels kind of weird. But don't worry. I asked all my friends for some questions. And today we're going to dive a little deeper into some things. And I just can't wait to kind of talk and tell you guys my thoughts and feelings and and uh, dive deeper. So without further ado, let's get into the show. So this first write-in is actually my sister-in-law. So shout out to my sister-in-law. She's the best. And she asked two questions. So I'm going to start with part A. What should anyone considering a career in education need to know to get started? Um, okay. (laughs) Here's the thing, guys. Uh, there's a lot of things you need to know to get started as an educator. And I think the first thing is that it's okay to be imperfect. And I know that's probably not what most people would think when they think about, you know, oh, you need to know everything's an acronym. Y- yeah, okay. They're going to catch that on, guys. Yeah. Veteran teachers, you know they're going to figure that part out, right? I think the biggest thing is is that a lot of us that go into education go into education because we have to be perfect. We have to, you know, we have to make the room look pretty and we have to make the kids learn and we have to, we have to, Right but what if i said we don't have to? I know, mind blown. This is years of therapy now, guys. Years of therapy, but I tell you what, i think learning that i didn't have to be perfect in the classroom and i didn't have to be perfect outside of the classroom was so freeing. For me. it was just so freeing to know that, you know, i only had to do my very best. And when you're a first-year teacher, your very best may be learning how to manage the classroom or your very best may be getting grades in in a timely manner, which I mean, raise your hand guys. If you're still struggling with that, I'm 10 years in and I'm still struggling with those grades, getting them in, in a timely manner because well, we have lots of kids. We have lots of grades, but yeah, I just think that you got to know that it's okay to not be perfect. And you have to embrace that. And a lot of people, they would say like, no, I can't do that. I can't. No, I can't do that. I can't go in not being perfect. And I think the difference is is you have to understand that it's not about being perfect in the job because there's always going to be more demands. There's going to be new changes and legislations and things are going to change constantly. And you could be having it for a season, Maybe two or three years are just beautiful. And then they change the standard. Well, then what are you doing? You're starting over. So I think it's really important that you know that. Um, And then also, maybe you should know that this is probably the hardest career to decide to go into. I remember growing up hearing people say things like, those who can't teach. No, it's more like those who can and have mastered it, now they teach. And actually research shows that, and we do this with our students, right guys? So research shows that when a student is able to actually teach a subject matter, they are now an expert on that subject. We do the expert, find the expert um, as a Kagan activity. And so I grew up hearing stuff like that. And I I always kind of felt like teachers were kind of downplayed, and I think because and I think because we or I went through hearing those types of things, I think as a generation, maybe we tend to downplay what teachers have to go through, but literally from the time you walk through those doors, um or even let's back that up a little bit, okay, from the time you drive into the parking lot where there's a hundred parents dropping their kids off. You cannot just be bebopping your music as loud as you can with the F word, screaming out and, you know, hanging out the window, dancing and screaming and acting a ruckus. It it literally starts from the drive. You have to be on, you have to be paying attention. You have to be answering questions. You have to be constantly thinking critically. And it makes for a very long day. Because your brain is just exhausted. But again, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to make it through the day. I know there's been many days where I'm like, I just need to make it through. Um, I think that goes along with what she asked. Um, her second question was, any advice for first-year teachers? First things first, you are doing better than you think you are. And I want you to remember that. And I also need you to remember that you don't have to do it all. It takes years for people to master the trade of being a teacher. It's not something that just happens overnight. There's a lot of things that come along with it. And, you know, even those teachers that are, you know, maybe this is their second career or this is something that they never thought they were going to be doing and now they are. And even they don't have to have it all together. It does not matter when you start as a teacher it's, it's all about the experience you put in. And I will tell you, I started as a para, um, paraprofessional. I was a para specific and I had one student and thank God for that experience because I got to watch firsthand how education works. And I got to, um, have literally the best experience of my life to set me up for success as a teacher. And I do, I, I, I wish that education was set up differently and I wish that it could be a mandate that teachers had to be Paris first. Um, but there's just not enough money in that. And unfortunately they don't pay Paris nearly enough what they need to be paid. So all that to say, first your teachers, you're doing a great job and just, remember that. At the end of the day, relax. Don't take this home. Let it go when you get in that car and ride home knowing that you are okay and it's going to be fine. Um, What options are for teachers who are looking to advance in their career? So oftentimes a lot of people who are not in education don't even realize like You become a teacher and you're pretty much, if you want to stay in the classroom, you're pretty much stuck, like all you're ever going to be. And I use this as air quotes because we know that teaching is far more than all you're ever going to be, but, um, you're going to be a teacher, right? Um, but I think there's linear steps you can take. Um, there's never going to be a huge, significant pay bump, no matter what you get to do, um, but I, I think she's asking this question so that I can toot my own horn for a hot second, because um, I am not one to do that. But um, there is coaching, um, and I actually just got into what my district is calling teachers coaching teachers, and it's it's a cohort of us teachers that are taking five specific classes, and those specific classes put us in the pool for being a coach now prior to being a coach you have to be put in the pool I was put in the pool over the summer when I was looking for jobs at my district Um, when this came up I was like oh awesome I can still teach which is what I really want to do and I can also help teachers which is also something I'm super passionate about so you know there's different things like that at the district level I know the district has also and now this is Polk County guys if you're not from Polk County I apologize but Um, the, the district really has come up with a lot of different ways for teachers to be able to serve their community and their schools and their district without having to go outside of the district. Um, I will commend Polk County schools for that. And there's a lot of things that maybe I don't agree with, but on that front, I really like, I commend them for doing all of these different activities. Um, Obviously, once you become a teacher with your bachelor's degree, a lot of teachers go back and get their master's degrees because there's nowhere to go without having that master's degree. You can go sideways, but you can't go up. Now, here's where a lot of teachers worry. Like like me, I stopped going for my master's degree because I never again want to be in a position of authority over a school I'll save that whole story for another day, but for me, um, leading is one thing leading an entire school is a whole nother ball game. And I just don't feel that at least at this time in my life, I'm equipped for that. And, um, so for me, I, I, and a lot of other people, they're scared to get their master's degree for fear that they'll be pushed into leadership positions that they're not ready for. And those positions, you know, I cannot say this enough. I really and truly admire anybody who can step up and run a school or even help to step up and run a school because it is not easy at all. Just the amount of, of things that you have to keep on your, your plate. You have to think about you, you have all these decisions to make and you're never going to make every single person happy. All you can do is the best you can do. And, and these people do not get paid enough for what they're doing. I just, it's just honest. It's the truth. Um, there's not enough money in education for a lot of the things that people have to go through from paras to, uh, All the way up to admin, in my opinion. Okay, so uh, let's take a break from answering questions real quick. And let me talk to you guys a little bit about where Leave a Little Sparkle is going. Because summer is coming up and I want to start the summer series. So Leave a Little Sparkle season two will actually end the first week of June. And we're gonna take a little bit of a break because this teacher slash mama is going on vacation. We are going all the way back to Canada again this year. And I love Canada, and the Canadian people are so nice. So we will be back the third week of June, and we will run through the end of July, possibly the first week of August, doing a summer series talking about how to get prepped and ready for the school year. And I'm going to try my best to get on some really awesome content creators and things like that um, so that we can get you guys as set up as possible for the year. Another cool thing is new merch just launched on my page. Um, It's a little bit more um, colorful, if you will. And there's a lot of different colors going on because we did just revamp the logo. This new logo, I am literally in love with it's very similar to the old just a little bit different has more colors which if you know my personality you're like oh that makes sense and uh the other thing is my new website should be ready to be launched in the next couple days so be on the lookout for that and last if you have not heard and you want more content from me And you would like a good laugh because that's all I can do at this point is look back at that video and laugh. I did post a YouTube video this week about none other than teacher appreciation and how we don't want another mug. Just say no. (laughs) So check that out when you can. All right, let's jump back into these questions. Angela Taylor, which whoop, whoop shout out to you, girl, you are a hidden gem in this world. And I just love you so much. Her question, uh, she has two. When is a good age for a child to get his or her first public library card? So fantastic question. Some parents are going to say like, I went out the first summer I had with my child and we went and got it. Awesome for you. I... Kudos if you can keep track of it. But I found that my son actually really started to enjoy going to the library last summer. And last summer he was four years old. And I would take him about once a week. And um we would go to the library about once a week. He would they had this incentive where they had these dogs you could read to. And he'd pick out a few books and he would, you know, read them to the dogs and Um, I think it was a sweet spot because he was going from being a baby, you know, to he was going into VPK and he was starting to be a little bit more aware of letters and sounds. Um, he definitely was a lot more aware of his surroundings and how to behave. I think this summer is going to be even better, but it was such a sweet, sweet time taking him into the library, letting him get his first card, um, letting him check out some books. He loved picking out books. Um, and so I would say, you know, between four and five is a perfect time, especially when they're going to be starting school soon. Um, they need to learn how to navigate the library. And I'm going to put that in there for you, Miss Dilts. if you hear this. <laughs> She's our fantastic librarian at Jewett Academy. Well, I always do that. Jewett School of the Arts. Um, all right. Next question. Question. Classroom pet, yay or nay? Nay. (laughs) Um, I did a classroom pet for probably my first five years. Um, I had everything from fish to turtles. Um, My best friend had a guinea pig, and she loved that guinea pig, and he really was a sweetheart. Um, But here's the thing. You run into, a lot of the time, you being the one responsible for that animal. Um, there were times when I would have to go up on a break and, you know, go into my classroom and feed a pet because nobody was able to take, I mean, you can't take a whole fish tank home, right? So it's really, really difficult to have a pet be in the classroom. Um, I I like pets and I think that they can be great. It just becomes a whole nother factor. Now, I will say when I taught science, having the turtles in the classroom was amazing because we had a whole life cycle situation going there. And even like the way the tank would kind of fog up at the top and they'd learn about condensation and like it was a great learning tool. And I will say for that, absolutely. If you are willing to put up with having to take them creatures home every weekend and every break, then go for it. But if you're a low-maintenance English teacher like me, it becomes just one more thing for you to worry about. Um, Another option in place of a classroom pet would be a pretend pet. And I've actually done this one time. Um, So I have a friend who crochets, and she crochets crochets the cutest things. And I had her crochet me a fish. And this fish lived inside of this little itty-bitty glass jar. And that fish, the kid of the week would get to take that fish home. That fish's name was Pearl. And they would get to take that fish home, you know, and kind of show it off. And I'd have their parents send me pictures of what they did over the weekend. They'd share it with the class. And that was fantastic. I didn't have to feed it. I didn't have to buy food for it. There was no maintenance to clean up. It was literally take the fish home, bring the fish back. Now, tragically, that fish did not find its way back to my classroom towards the end of the year. And, you know, that, that's the end of that good story. So, all right. And shout out to Mr. Mims, 10 Mims. Um, he and I worked really close together last school year. So if you're listening, shout out to you. And thank you for your question. Um, so his question is, what are questions a parent should ask their child's new teacher so here's the thing when you're going in for orientation um we really just want to meet you face to face we want to get any contact information we need and we want to know how your child is going home from there we don't have much else that we need to know and we have a million other kids about to come in our room now some classes They're self-contained. You have 20 kids in that class. That's all you have. That's the end of it. For us teachers that are teaching higher grades, we have other kids coming in that their homeroom teacher is a different teacher and they're coming in to meet me and things like that. I think the biggest thing is to just know place and time. I think it's great to want to get to know the teacher. I think it's awesome to look around the classroom. I think you should, you know, pick up any paperwork you need You should make sure that that teacher knows all of your contact information. um, And then take a look around the room. And I think the only thing you should ask the first time you meet the child's new teacher is, do you know when open house is going to be? The reason I say that is because open house is finally the time we get to sit down and say, here's our expectations. Here's what we want you to know. And that's the time that we get to open up and kind of do a... um, a time to tell you all about what's going on orientation or the very first time you meet the teacher is usually pretty hectic. And I bet you that teacher would love you forever. If you just said, Hey, my name is such and such. This is my child. They're on your roster. What do you need me to fill out? Fill that out. And then say, they're looking forward to coming to see you tomorrow or whenever school starts. Um, and then just ask if they know when open houses chances are they don't because that gets scheduled after school starts. Um, but another great option is um, ask the, t- the teacher, what's your best way to get in contact with us? Maybe they're a teacher that likes Remind. Maybe they're a teacher that likes Class Dojo. Um, maybe they're a teacher that sends out a weekly email or they send out a weekly newsletter. Um, maybe they prefer to use the agenda. So you need to ask your t- your child's teacher, their best way to get in contact with you so that or best way for you to get in contact with them so that if you do have questions, you can ask them in a time and place that's easiest for everyone. I know I would much rather hand you my email and say, Hey, email me with any questions you have. So I have time to articulate my answer back. I don't know if this is just a me thing, but I actually tend to have quite high anxiety when I'm meeting parents and I stumble over my words. I know. You wouldn't think it, but guess what? I get to edit this podcast. I get to edit it all the way down. And I do stumble over my words. I get really anxious. So those parents that are like, hey, hi, I'm here, bye. I love them forever and ever and ever. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. And shout out to Miss Parker, Christine, my bestest friend in the whole wide world. She she asked, what teachers wished parents understood? She says, kidding, but kind of serious too. <laughs> there are so many things I wish that a lot of my parents understood. I think the biggest one is that I'm doing the absolute best I can. And I love your child. I, I, I wish they understood that. It... There's not a day that goes by that I'm not exhausted from trying to figure things out and have kids work together and have kids learn how to be kind to one another. Every single day, I am exhausted by the time I come home because I give 110% of me to my kids. Maybe not every teacher is that way, but from what I see, a lot of teachers are, and I just wish parents understood that. I wish they understood that, you know, when I missed Johnny flicking Sarah, it wasn't because I don't care or I'm not paying attention. It was because Xander had a boo-boo and Aaron was running around the room. It's it's little things like that that I, I wish parents understood. I mean, on a good day, I have 21 students in one class and 19 in the other, That's a lot of bodies to keep track of. And I have pretty good classroom management, but I still struggle with seeing and hearing every single thing. The other thing I wish parents understood is that we're on the same team. I don't hate your kid. I don't have the capacity or the time to hate your child. I don't have the capacity or time to hate you. I'm on your team. I want your kid to pass. I'm going to do everything I can to help that happen. I just need your child to meet me somewhere so that they can make sure it happens too. Um, maybe that sounds so, <laughs> so cynical at this point. Um, And I don't know if I'm the only one that struggles with feeling like parents just don't understand that part. But you know, us teachers, we didn't get into this profession because it paid good and we got summers off. We got into this profession because maybe we got summers off, but also we love children. And so I, I wish parents understood that, you know. Um and last question for this evening, and then maybe I have a couple other things just to wrap it up. But oh, and it's morning for you guys. I'm recording this the night before. <laughs> um, is from Miss Corwith. And Miss Corwith actually goes. She works at my school as well, and um, shout out, Miss Corwith. You're absolutely amazing. And you know what? She helped me think about um, my ADHD in a way that I never had thought about it before. Um, I always have said I'm missing the hyperactive because I'm always so tired, but she explained that, no, all those browsers I have open in my brain are absolutely the hyperactive part, and I wish I would have realized that sooner. Um Anyways, she says, a question I have is what are some good ways to help students build intrinsic motivation. Ooh, good one. You really hit me with that one. So, we want to motivate our kids, right? We goodness gracious. We we want our kids to want it, right? We want them we want them to be motivated, right? Intrinsic motivation, let me just read the definition of intrinsic to you before we even begin, okay? So intrinsic, belonging naturally, naturally, it's essential. Okay, so knowing that and knowing that motivation is something that comes from within, I don't think teachers can build that in students without parent support. And what I mean by that is, I can show my students the good life. I can, you know, make it to where every Friday we eat from a different place. You know, every kid that's really good gets to eat from a different place. Or, you know, I can bring things in. I can talk about going out to all the different adventure parks. And, you know, I can make them want those things for themselves. And I can say, and guess what? You can have it too if you do Blah 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 blah. But until they see from their parent that that is essential and it is important, I can't do it on my own. I can't. I can't say here's your motivation. You need to do it. Now, what I can say is, you've got two options. And now I can't say this if you're a kindergartner, but you've got two options. You can go be lazy, and we know where you're going to end up working and what kind of life you're going to end up living. Or you can go prove to yourself and the rest of the world what you can do. And then the sky's the limit. who knows where you're going to be? And build that relationship with that student. And I think by building their relationship, building their confidence, every time they do something right, every time they... Show that they can answer the question right. Every time they do something, you just praise them, praise them, praise them, praise them. Show them that they've got it. When you do data chat, show them the difference they've made. I think you are slowly going to build that in as long as it doesn't get squashed elsewhere. And that's where parents come into play. Let me give you a little quick story, and uh, we're almost done with our time today, but I have a student who was ready to give up. He felt like school was too hard and he was just going to go along with the motions until he could be done with school. And I worked with him on just his confidence. I literally did data chats with him almost every week to show, okay, from last week you went up two points. It's kind of the same thing that you do like when you're trying to lose weight. And, oh, last week I lost two pounds. It's the same thing. Those little key things that happen to help motivate us, those need to keep happening. We can initiate those things with our students. We can initiate the, hey, good job, you went up two points on your ICEP," or whatever test. Or, you know, hey, good job, you actually passed your assessment last week. And we could push them. And when I did, and when I did, when I pushed him, all of a sudden his test scores were jumping up. And when I say jumping, I mean from his first star score to his second star score, he went up 117 points. From his first star score to his second star score, he went up 158 points. Motivation at that point started with me praising and helping his confidence. And he has the support at home with people who have pushed him and said, yes, you've got this, you're doing well. And it's made a huge difference in his life. And it starts with those conversations. It starts with those relationships. And it, it ultimately leads to our kids making leaps and bounds in their data. And remember, guys, our kids are not just data, but the data shows us that we're making progress. And it's important. So thank you guys for coming along with me on this solo journey today. I did not think that just those questions alone were gonna fill up the entire time slot, but here we are. I do have some f- funny and cute write ins um from some friends about stories and motivational things that came up, but maybe I'll make a YouTube video. Anyways, check me out on Facebook. Check out the new website coming out. Check out the merch. Check out Teachers Pay Teachers. I have a fun new resource coming out for the end of the school year. And don't forget that uh, we have rebranded. Check that out when you can. And go subscribe to my YouTube channel, I really, really, really want to get that number to 100 so I can live stream on there. And um, if you have not already, help me out by also subscribing to this podcast. I need to get to 500 subscriptions a week to be able to start monetizing. And whether you guys know this or not, this podcast is not cheap. It does cost me money. And as a teacher, we do not make enough So, you can either check out my Patreon, which offers a discount on my merch store, or you can check out my merch store, or you can donate, um, just to help me be able to keep this going. And one final thing before I go, I would just like to make it known that um, Mr. Jerry Brooks, uh, principal, has liked my very recent... Video on TikTok. My most recent video called Teacher Appreciation Don'ts, Mr. Jerry Brooks has liked. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I'm on TikTok under Leave a Little Sparkle and leave a little sparkle.info. I'm on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. You guys have a very good day. Bye.